This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, praise the Lord. They left you with me. I don't know whether to apologize for that or just be excited about that. (laughs) You know how this happens, right? They all go out of town and they're like, oh, by the way, will you preach? That's, That's how this happens. They let me out of youth ministry once in a while. So praise God. We'll crack open the word together. I'm not like homiletically correct tonight. I don't. Do you even know what that means? Nod your head if you know what that means. Okay, so a homily is a sermon if you're religious and you've been to seminary. And Pastor Dave does these amazing outlines. They're really good. I don't do outlines. I mean, I can, but it's only if I'm getting graded. And no one's grading me. So you don't get an outline tonight. So I'm just going to talk to you. Is that okay? Is that cool? Okay. So I'm just going to share my heart with you. And to start with, I... We're in this really, like, weird place. Do you feel like the church is in a weird place? Like, cool place, but, like, weird? Do you ever feel like that? So, over the course of time, um, raise your hand if you've been here over ten years. Okay. Now, raise your hand if you've been here over five years. Okay. Now, raise your hand if you've been here over one year. Okay. All right. So, that's good. Raise your hand if you're just, like, new and you love us anyway. Okay, alright, no one. Alright, it's good, it's okay. Um, so, long story in the massively short version. Um, the pastor who started this church had the same heart as Pastor Samples, who I'm gonna call dad because most of us call him dad, so I'm gonna call him dad. So, dad and Pastor Long have this same heart and same vision, but People get stupid sometimes, right? You know, like, that's why the Lord uses sheep as an example, because without a shepherd, y'all run off cliffs. It's just the way it goes. So, Pastor Long founds this church in a chicken coop and um, gives his whole life for it, and they end up buying Victory Hall. Victory Hall is running like 600 people on a Sunday morning. They're having like three morning services and fitting all those people in Victory Hall. And then people get stupid and ugly happens. And Pastor Long starts the exact same thing in Newberry and builds the exact same building. Only everything that didn't go quite right here, he corrected it over there, which makes me jealous. But anyway, I'm going somewhere, so stick with me. So in the meantime, Pastor Samples has this booming, awesome church in Indiana, and things are good there. And they're trying to build this building. They buy this property, and then ugly happens there. So ugly happens there, and over a course of a weird number of years, Pastor Samples is stuck in Indiana. And through this time, um, I end up meeting Pastor Dave, and I'm really convinced that the reason that he didn't make it out to California sooner is because God wanted to save my life by letting me marry Pastor Dave. And I know you all think he's holy and, like, wonderful. He's not really he's a human being, but I still think he's that holy and wonderful too. Like he's, he makes my life so much better and I'm a nicer, better person because Jesus knew I needed a little more Jesus in the flesh. So he sent me pastor Dave. But anyway, so we meet each other and um, end up getting married and we're serving in dad's church there. And uh, it just isn't like working. Things are bad, like bad. And um, then 
systematically family starts moving away. So some of the kids move to Texas, and Josh moves to Denver, and we move to Oklahoma, and here they are in Indiana, and like, what in the world are we doing? And so Dr. Barclay comes to them and is like, hello, God isn't finished with you. He's just finished with you here. But they they are the kind of people that will go down with the ship, you know. Like, if it's sinking, I'm sticking around. I'm not going to let go. God told me to be here and until he tells me different. So they just weren't going to let go. So Dr. Barclay used the Lord to tell them, come on, move along. So they tell us we're, we're at college and they tell us, hey, we're either moving to Florida or California. And we're like, Pfft whatever yeah right you're Hoosiers you belong in Indiana so we're like laughing at that whatever you know there's no way like Florida's muggy and hot and California is full of fruits and nuts and you know you're not going there like that's what the entire rest of the world thinks of California okay I know the rest of us like well they do grow fruits and nuts here like it is full of fruits and nuts anyway so um they end up moving to Barstow and we come to visit and they bought a house in Hinkley Now, they moved across the country. This church has, like, no people at that point, right? Like, ugly times happen, and everybody jumped ship. So, from 600 people, like, to 50 people. So, of that 50 people, it's not really a very pretty picture, okay? Like, the picture was not good. So, they call them, and they're like, well, we don't know what we can pay you, and we don't know where you're going to live. And they're like, it's okay. We know God's sending us. Who does that? Right? Like, who does, who just says, yes, Jesus? Mom and dad. Mom and dad are those people. Abraham is that person. And I'm, I'm on my way. I'll get there one day where I just say, yes, Jesus. Um, I'll get there one day. And I'm close. There's things I've done that on, but I can't say that if someone called me and said, I don't know if if we're going to pay you, um, just, would you just come on? And you just say, yeah. And you just trust him and go. Um, but they've, done it through so many situations so they load all their stuff onto the moving truck and at the time they have teenage kids and their teenage kids are like i'm not going with you you know we've all been there so one stays and one goes and they move out here and they get a phone call on the way here oh we found you a house do you want your new phone number okay maybe i'm the only one with control issues but why are you setting up my phone you know like that's just there's a lot of weird that went on there so they move out here and They hadn't paid the pastor in a while because the pastor's wife had gotten sick. So he hadn't like shown up to work because he was caring for his wife. And, you know, he was showing up on Sundays and preaching. And then they had voted him out and all, you know, all this. So they get here and they're like, well, we'll talk about your salary. And dad's like, no, we're, we're going to pay that guy first. We owe him. Crazy, like crazy. So then they spent years where they're deciding whether or not they should get paid or the electric bill should get paid. Because 50 people, even if they were all tithing, which that doesn't usually happen, even if they were all tithing, how do you afford a 15,000 square foot building? You don't, right? You just trust God. So no pay and all all this craziness. And then people got ugly. But... They don't tolerate that. Miss P and and mom mom and dad say some things sometimes that the entire front row, we like scoot down in our seats like, oh, please, please don't let that go on the podcast. (laughs) Like that happens 
fairly regularly, not as often as it used to, but one Sunday morning, um, we'd had a little bit of issues, nothing like what they've dealt with, but they uh, got up here one Sunday morning and Miss P said, you know what we do with wolves? We shoot them! And we're all like, totally true, going to scare some people, but totally true. So, yeah, they don't tolerate wolves. If you're going to eat sheep or try to mess with the church, you're going down. So I'm just letting you know. Don't roast your pastor. Don't badmouth your church because they'll come after you. And Miss P's not a quitter. Anyway, so that being said, ugly happened and they didn't quit. They stuck with it and told the truth. Um, they're, they're not getting paid. People are being awful. They're standing for the truth regardless. And they call us and say, no, we can't come see you for Christmas. Sorry, everyone. We're stuck here dealing with what God told us to do. So they loved on this family and dealt with family problems and blah, 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 right? To now, 10-year anniversary of them being here, and we have Pastor Long, and Pastor Long, who founded the church, gets up and talks about his heart and all this, and then Pastor Samples talks about his time here, and it was like hearing the same person. What God had for this place was in the works the whole time. And what God had put in those men was here the whole time. And I just think it's such a cool season when, to me, it's all happening so fast. You can look back at the times that we've sown and, you know, when we were giving into missions but somebody wasn't getting paid. You know, you're paying your missionary but you're not paying your pastor. It's been like that before. Not in a long while, you know, like we're good. But... To look at it and to be able to say, yeah, let's increase missions. And we don't have to come to you and say, hey, can you take another missions pledge card? Because we need to increase our missions. We don't have to ask you. You're just tithing. So because you're tithing, because you're giving, we can just do that. You know? We can just tell you, hey, we're going to get that sixth unit. And in a week and a half, you're, oh, yeah, 10,000, no problem. Like, that's weird. That's a weird season in the church. It's just weird. It's so cool and so awesome to watch. But all of that is to say this, that the seasons of God are always awesome to look back at. They're always awesome to live in. But Hebrews 11.1 one talks about faith, right? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, okay? When you pray, you expect, right? Like, we know God is real, and we pray, and we expect, and that's good. But when it happens, maybe I'm the only one, but I'm still like, oh my gosh, that really happened. Like, it's so cool to me to watch God actually do it. And it's so cool to watch each of your lives and just all that go on. So that being said, um, a while back when uh, Reverend Ray Bench was here, I was uh, listening to his sermon on the gold and the brass. And he was talking about Stephen. And it's like a blurb in there. It's not even what the sermon is about. But it was really cool to me. So that's what I'm going to share with you tonight is about Stephen. And he, in his church... It was a weird season too, right? Like Jesus has been there um, and teaching and preaching for all those three years and things are good. And then he dies and it kind of rattles everybody because that's ugly and awful. But then he rises from the dead and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, this is great. And then he's like, and now I'm going to leave. 
But you just stick around because the promise is going to come. Just stick around. I imagine that season, and I think how weird that season must be that you're just praying because that's what he told you what to do. And you you go and pray, and then you go to sleep, and then you get up and you pray because I'm just waiting for whatever that promise was. And then it shows up, right? Um, but then the church grows, and then there's church problems. So go with me to Acts 6. Acts 6. So this is after the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and that's in Acts 2, and um, all the believers are filled with the Holy Ghost. Everyone thinks they're drunk. They're like, no, 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 listen, it's, it's the Holy Ghost. It's the promise of God. Things are good. And so the church is increasing. Um, but in Acts 6, verse 1, it says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. That's just normal, right? You look back at David and his mighty men. David runs off because Saul's going to kill him. And he'd lived in Saul's house this whole time. You know, you think about your dad or your mentor turning around and, like, chasing you with a spear. Rattles your life a little bit. And so you go to hide and get yourself together. And a bunch of discontented whiners show up. It's because God's going to use you. So... Rumblings of discontent, whining, is like the red flag of change a-coming. So don't ever think that a dry season or a difficult season is a bad season. It's just a growing season. So anyway, rumblings of discontent, and the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Okay, cultural issue there, right? Everyone knows, right, that when you walk outside these doors, there are cultural issues. But do you know that when you walk inside these doors, sometimes we got cultural issues? Somebody says something that they didn't realize was going to offend somebody else, and that other person, like, took it wrong. And listen, we know that you're whatever color you are, and we know that you have whatever family you have. And listen, we love you. Don't be offended, okay? Like, we're working on it. And sometimes people say stupid things. So here's what the church did about it. So some of the, the widows were getting food and some of the other widows were not getting food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. Now, sometimes when you read the Bible, like you're reading and then you see something you've never really seen before, even though you've read it a hundred times. Okay. So today, for the first time, I realized they met with all the believers and not just like the 12. So I have read this verse like tons of times. And in my mind, there were 12 guys standing together meeting to make a decision. But they didn't. They got together with everybody. And they said, hey, what do we do about this? So they told the congregation, right, the whole church family, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. And so, brothers, let's select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. That's helps ministry right there, right? Like serving in the church. But they get together with the church family and say, hey, we have this problem and we need you, not leadership. We need you to go find me seven people who have this good reputation, who we know are full of God and wisdom. Now, there have been seasons in this church where we have had help. And that help is so nice, but it's unhelpful help. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, you know, somebody really wants to help you, but all they're doing is creating a mess. 
And I can't tell you how much money we've spent on thanking the help for their help. You know, like there's been a lot of money spent on Victory Hall because of the electrical help. Just thank God we're in a season now where we will check if you are actually helpful. I mean, we want you to serve, okay? But if it's like something where you're wiring something, we just we just need to see that you know what you're doing. So anyway, the the congregation went and looked for these people who they knew were wise enough to handle this job, right? And that's kind of what happens around here. You know, when Leah or Desiree or um, Jesse or Cletus or Robert come in and they're like, hey, can you help with this? Hey, can you work on that? It's because they saw something in you. And I think that's really cool that our church works as a team like that. So don't ever think that it's piddly when someone asks you to do something because it's actually like a huge compliment to you. So these guys were full of the spirit and wisdom. And he said, we'll give them this responsibility. They're going to go and do that. And then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. You have no idea what it's like in other churches because either you don't have a church background or you haven't attended other churches. And that's so cool about our church because people don't have like this preconceived idea of what it has to be like. We just get together and do whatever God told us to do, which is a really big deal. But in lots of other churches, like the pastor mows the lawn or cleans the toilet or and here he really can devote himself to the word and prayer. Like, what's supposed to happen? So that's so fun. That's so good. So everybody liked this idea in verse 5, and they chose the following. Stephen, now what's cool about this is he's first in the list on purpose, because nothing in the Bible is an accident, even when it's talking about, like, slaughtering goats and all that. It has a point, okay? If you don't know that point, ask the Lord and go study. But Stephen is there on purpose, and it says a thing about him there that it doesn't say about anybody else. It says, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So what do we have here? We have Stephen, who's full of the Spirit and wisdom, in verse 3. And then, in verse 5, he says, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So he was notable enough to say, listen, this guy is worthy to serve the Lord. But he was a regular guy. He's listed in a group of people. Just a regular guy. He was just coming to church. He was just there. But he was full of Jesus. Just full of it. And it came out of him. And I think that's so cool because I can say that about so many people here. Like every one of you, I can look at you and say, oh, this is a story I have about you. And that's a story I have about you. You know, you're just serving God. And then you go out and... Do cool stuff for Jesus. So this story goes on about Stephen, which is like the even cooler part of this, is how God ended up using him. And all he's doing right now is serving tables. Okay, He's running a food program. Now, we can understand that because we live in Barstow. I grew up in Indiana, and I had never seen a homeless person, like ever. I had never seen anyone who was in need of food. So I move out here, and this was very new to me. But now I can look and understand what it's like for Stephen to be serving people who are in need of help. These are widows and people who are destitute, women who, you know, back in those days it wasn't like you had assistance. 
It was the church that took care of you. So here are these widows, and Stephen's just loving on people, just taking care of people. And it wasn't always easy, and it wasn't always fun. He's just doing what God put in front of him, right? Doing what the church needed done. So he's doing his job. And then let's go down to verse 8. Well, go to verse 7 first. So because these men were serving tables, serving the widows, verse 7 says, So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. Many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Cool, right? Like, things happened because the guy served the food. So because you showed up for a church work day, because you cleaned the toilets in the bathroom, because you stuffed Easter eggs for the children's department, because you swept the front patio, God's message continued to spread and people's lives were changed. I think it's so cool. It's just so cool. So verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Hold on. There's a whole lot of full of, right? So verse 3, we're full of the Spirit and wisdom. Verse 5, we're full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8, he's full of grace and power. So it's one thing when you get the word, right, and that fills you up. But the Holy Spirit, being in the presence of God and being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing that shook the whole earth and raised Jesus from the dead. That's in Romans 8, uh, 11. Romans 8, 11, I think. If it's not in Romans 8, 11, correct me. But I think it's Romans 8, 11. Um, that says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is what God gave to live in you. So when we're full of that, when we're full of that power, and then we're full of grace, right? When you ask Jesus into your heart, he gives you grace, divine ability, unmerited favor, meaning you didn't get what you deserved, but instead he gave you the ability to live for him, to do what's right, to serve him. He gave you the capability of living in this world on his standard. And we call that the DNA, right? God's divine nature and ability in you. So Stephen is full of this. And again, all he's doing is serving food. Not a big deal. He's serving food. But it says here, a man full of God's grace and power, performing amazing miracles and signs among the people. If you go back to Mark in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us, I'm going to leave you, but it's okay. Stick around, wait for the Holy Spirit, and you're going to do greater than what I've just done. Right? You're going to lay hands on the sick. You're going to cast out demons, all because it's in my name, because I've left you this Holy Spirit. So then here's Stephen just living in that. Like, I trusted God. I believe what he said. And I'm, I'm putting my hand to do it, right? So here's Stephen. He performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. He's not a pastor. He's not a priest. He's just a guy serving God. Performing miracles. That's sweet, right? Like, that's awesome. And I can say that about people in this room. One of the coolest examples to me is like Maxine. Um, do, well, I, I don't want you to raise your hand. Maxine is the lady who sits on this front row at the end. Betty is the one on the other end. But if you don't know Miss Maxine, she serves in children's ministry and she comes to prayer every week. Um, but she's a grandma. And when she showed up at church, she was on all kinds of prescriptions and couldn't really park very far because she had a hard time getting in the door. Now, 
she wears like the cutest tights and she's so bubbly and she's like everywhere all the time. Oh, Grandma Maxine. Um, and she's like the hipster grandma that every nine-year-old ever wished for. Like she's so much fun. Um, she keeps these popsicles at her house, you know, the kind that are wrapped in like the wax and you cut them in half. And apparently the word for those is bolis. My kids will come home and say, I want bolis. I have no idea what you're talking about. Grandma Maxine has bolis. I know I walk up the street to her house. She's my neighbor. But anyway, so Maxine is cool because she just serves God. She just loves God. But she spends time with God every day because she's so excited about God, right? So then she walks out to the store and it just like comes out. You know, she's talking to the cashier and she's like, yeah, let me pray for you. You know, it just comes out. And I I look at her a lot of times and wish I was like that in the middle of the grocery store. You know, sometimes you go into Walmart and you're like, you're not like that. And you wish that your attitude could even sort of be like that. Then you have to repent. Anyway, Maxine is like always like that. Always, always like that. But she goes out and when she meets people, she just puts her hand to it. Like she just does it. And so she'll be taking a walk around the neighborhood and pray for someone and they get healed. And she's like, oh, yeah, it was cool. You know, like it was no big deal. I'm like, Maxine, that's crazy. Right? That's just crazy to just, oh, I passed this guy. And I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? Oh, yeah, your leg got healed. That's awesome. You know, and that's what Stephen was doing. He was just putting his hand to something, going out and living like that. But there always comes a day when ugly happens, right? We all have seasons of just ugly. So one day, some of the men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to bait with him. And... I don't know if you've ever actually been debated with or had that ugly day where you try to do good for someone and they just got mad anyway. But I got family like that. And, you know, sometimes you just have to talk to Jesus because whatever may come out of your mouth is unpleasant. And so this is that time. He's trying to do good. And here comes the debate. Here comes the attack. And it's just an attack from the enemy, right? If we look down in verse 13, we see that they were lying. They were just lying about him. So I'm going to skip their whole spiel and junk about him and lies on him. But in verse 15, sorry to skip around so much, Jose, I love you. I'm so glad that you're back there. (laughs) Um, In verse 15, it talks about what was going on in the spirit. Because you can look at things. From what you actually see. Or you can look at things from God's perspective. And sometimes it's hard to stop. And quit analyzing it. And to just look at it from God's perspective. But when you do. And you see the spiritual side of it. It's totally different than what we normally think. Right? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. The spiritual determines the natural. Whether that's good or bad. And. What we're full of is what will come out of us when we're squeezed. So verse 15 says, at this point, after they're all spouting off everything wrong with Stephen, at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen. Now, at that point in you and I's life, our faces beat red and we're feeling mad. But. They were looking at Stephen, not because his face was beat red, but because his face was as bright as an angel's. That's weird. That's the glory of God just showing up in the room. And he hasn't said a word yet. 
Stephen hasn't done anything yet. It's just the spirit of God in the room. And his face is glowing and everyone's like, what's going on? I want for us to all be like that. I want for people to be like, what's going on at that church? What's going on in your life that that is all happening to you? And it didn't make people act any better in that room. They were still mad and they got madder. But the spirit of God was there. Right. And he always protects his people and he always has a good plan for his people. And you look at some of these stories and you're like, good plan. The dude dies. Not good. You know, stoning. Skip forward in the story because we're not really going to talk about him dying. But skip forward in the story. Stephen dies and he's stoned. And unless you really like go look up stoning. Stoning was not they threw a couple rocks at you. They ripped your clothes off, threw you in the dirt, and threw rocks at your head till you died. This is an unpleasant day. But in looking at that, we're looking at it from a natural standpoint. But if you flip around and think about that from a spiritual standpoint, man, God's letting him go to heaven, right? What a reward. How cool is that? And God's using this whole ordeal to change someone else's life and the course of world history, which we'll go there in a second. So then after his face is glowing and everyone's staring at him, the high priest says, are these accusations true? And Stephen goes off into this whole Bible lesson through like Genesis all the way on to Jesus. He just spouts off the Bible and it's a whole chapter. So basically the rest of Chapter 7 is all Stephen telling them what God has done from the beginning of all time. And I think that's cool because he was so full of the word, right? And I think that's so cool because that was able to come out of him because of God's grace. He wasn't freaked out. He wasn't upset. He was full of, of the word and the Holy Spirit, and it was just coming out of him. So we'll skip forward a little bit to verse uh, 54. Chapter 7, verse 54, it says, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. Because he goes through and is like, hey, you're stubborn, and you're the reason that Jesus died, okay? And you've killed all these other prophets, and you need to get it together. So Stephen gives them, like, this correction, and he's the dude serving tables, okay? He's not a leader. He's the bottom of the totem pole. And who do you think you are telling us what we ought to be doing? So they get all mad. So anyway, uh, verse 55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. That's so cool, right? Like heaven just opens up and he just gets to see Jesus. How encouraging, right? That's so awesome. And what confidence that would give you to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. But what I think is interesting here is his focus. It says he gazed steadily, which is a big deal to me. I like words a lot. And you know when Pastor Dave preaches on Proverbs 18.21, and it says you'll eat its fruit? I do. And sometimes it's good fruit, and sometimes it's bad fruit. So don't judge me. Just pray for me, okay? But I really, really like words. And when I read the Bible, sometimes I can't get past a verse because... I stop and I'm like, I wonder what that word was in the Hebrew or the Greek. And I go back and I like, oh, you know what that word really meant? Yeah. And so when I see gaze steadily, I'm like, there's a point to that. And it made me think of Peter. 
Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and is like, dude, if that's really you, because you got to remember that Peter is like the cussing sailor. He's like the rough one. And I relate to that sometimes, a lot of times. And so anyway, uh, Peter says, if that's really you, let me walk on the water too, man. So he gets out of the boat, but then his focus went from Jesus to the waves and like, oh my gosh, I'm walking on the water. This is like crazy. And he starts to sink because his focus changed. But Stephen gazes steadily. So it didn't move, right? Steady is constant and consistent. He gazed steadily and got to see Jesus. My gosh, I want to gaze steadily. I just want to stare in the right direction and not get distracted and not get busy. I just want to gaze steadily and accomplish what God put in front of me. I want the grace that he has for me so I can step out and do what he set before me successfully. I don't want to flop. I want to do what he set before me. So he gets to see Jesus. And then he, then in verse 56, he tells them, look, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. How often do we really look crazy? I mean, we're that crazy church, right? Like, we're we're that crazy church. How often when you're like, oh, guess what happened? Oh, I got healed. Or, oh, and people are like, you got what? Or, you pray in, in, in tongues? What does that mean? It happens regularly. There's just weird stuff that's happened in my life that I can just tell you it, it's Jesus. And it's always some really cool story that you get to tell, you know. And so many of us have those stories like, God just showed up. And it was the coolest, and I wish you could relate, but you're just not there yet, so you think I'm crazy, but it's okay. We'll get there. You know, so he tells all these people who are not there yet, and they think that he's crazy, and they're already mad. Man, my family was so like that for so many years. So many years. My dad used to catch me. I grew up Baptist, so my dad used to catch me praying in tongues in my closet. And I had this big walk-in closet, and he'd walk in and be like, what are you doing? Nothing. Because I can't explain, I can't explain that. And you're going to think I'm going to hell if I tell you about it. You know, so I just, you just leave it alone. Just don't say anything. And my mom used to be like, how come you come home from church crying all the time? What are they doing to you there? And I'm like, I don't know, mom, I just love Jesus. And she's like, I don't think you need to go there anymore if all you're going to do is come home crying. You're like, no, it's it's the presence of God, mom. She's like, you know, but then years later, I find some Kenneth Hagin books sitting on my dad's nightstand and a book about the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, Pastor Dave, did you put that there? Because I told you. And he's like, I didn't put it there. I saw it there, but I didn't put it there. I don't know where he got those from. You know, it's just the Lord working things out. But I think it's interesting how many times in the word that you can look and find something to relate to, right? You're just going about your business. You're just doing what God set before you. You're just making sure you're full of the word so that God can use you, so that you have that relationship with him. And crazy happens. or People get crazy or people are mad. And you're just trying to love Jesus. And you just keep walking it out. You just keep walking it out. But then going on in chapter 7, then in verse 57, uh, they put their hands over their ears. Okay, aren't they adults? I mean, do you ever have that thought like, ugh, the maturity level, right? So they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
who later becomes Paul. And as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. So he dies having stood for the word. And he dies having impacted Saul's life. And Saul later on is walking down a road and Jesus shows up in front of him and is like, hey, why are you persecuting me? He goes blind and gets sent to this guy's house that he normally would have persecuted. And then when he gets healed, scales fall off his eyes, like, you know, weird stuff, because that's what's in here. And God's really big and there's nothing really all that weird about him. But really, to me, everything is weird about him. He made like giraffes. That's just weird to have a neck that long. Like, you know, there's so many weird things that you can look and watch what God created, right? Like, you watch your own kids and you're like, I don't, it must be Jesus because I don't know what it, what all that is. You know, I feel like that in my life. I really was smart and I was a good mom until I had kids. And then, then I discovered I'm clueless and without Jesus, I am nothing. So, you know, Jesus parents my children. Anyway, so Saul's life gets impacted because of this guy who was just serving God in the church and just full of the Holy Spirit and just had spent time knowing what God's word was and making sure that he was putting his hand to something for the Lord. And Saul goes on to be Paul and Paul changes world history, right? Like, we wouldn't be reading this without that. So you look back at situations like this, and for me, it makes me look back at our church history. It makes me look back at my own life. It makes me think of how God uses what we would call regular, normal people, regular, normal situations to change Everything. So all of that to be said is, man, where our church has come from to where we are to where we're going is just this cool journey of us regular people getting together to worship God and love the word and then leave here and just go live it. And none of us are perfect. And if ever you need that example, you can look at me and, and Peter and lots of, of people in the Bible. Not perfect. Abraham lied all the time and he's the father of faith. Okay. Like that just being perfect is not the goal. Just being full of Jesus is the goal. Being full of the Holy Spirit is the goal and never, 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 never underestimate the little things that you do for the Lord. Just the little stuff, you know. Um, I'm wearing this necklace this morning, well, not this morning, um, tonight, that someone gave me this morning, um, and it's little, it's just, it's that little stuff that to me is so astounding. A couple of days ago, I have one long necklace, like, you know, because that's like the thing, and I have short necklaces, because I'm like from the 90s, and anyway, so I don't go buy jewelry, because I just don't need jewelry. And and I'm not, paparazzi's nice, but if I went to my husband and said, I'm going to spend $35 on some paparazzi jewelry, he'd like roll his eyes and be like, can't we just go eat at Jenny's? 
you know, that's, that's how we spend our money. You know what I mean? That's how we spend our money. So anyway, um, I told the Lord a couple days ago, man, you know, you just have these, in, in my life, I just have these like conversations with the Lord as I'm doing stuff. And so I told the Lord, I don't have any long necklaces. Like all I have is this one. And when I wear my t-shirts with my tights to make them fancy, I need a long necklace. And so this morning, this lady who I love so dearly and respect so dearly comes up to me and gives me a hug and says, God told me to give you this. And she was wearing it when she came in. And so she's crying. I'm crying, you know, hugging each other. But it's that kind of stuff that in your head, you're like, oh, that's just a little thing. No, that's a big thing. You know, Miss P told the Lord one day, man, I'd really like some chickens. Someone showed up at the front gate of the church. The gate is locked, and they threw chickens over the front gate. Who throws chickens over the gate of a church? You know, they're big things like that, and used to the Lord, you know, used to the Lord. So don't ever underestimate your daily life. Don't ever underestimate what God has asked you to do or feel stupid in doing it. Just just go do it. Yeah? I love you. I love you. Okay, well, let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.